0: We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell.
1: Hello and welcome to the Money Matters podcast. Our aim, as usual, is to help you navigate the choppy financial waters. I'm Danny Hewson, and as ever, I'm joined by the lovely Laura Souter. Hi there, and
0: if you're a regular listener, you'll know that we like to give you all of the information that you need to stay on top of your finances. And this week, we're going to be tackling a biggie, which is energy bills, where we stand with them, what's going to happen to them this year. And are they going to cost us more?
1: Yeah, we know that energy bills are something that are causing lots of people serious hardship. And even if you are managing okay with those bills when you get one through the door, it's still going to make you wince. Um, We don't have a smart meter here because we don't have a big enough area for a smart meter to fit. However, I've been keeping a really, really close eye on the bills. I've kept the thermostat down and I've been insisting that the kids and my husband wear an extra jumper before I'll put the heating on, which in the past I just haven't done.
0: Yeah, I think the energy crisis have made everyone so much more conscious about the energy that they're using. And even if it's small tweaks that they're making, I think last winter, I was very profligate with turning on the old thermostat every time it got a little bit nippy. But this winter, I've definitely been putting on more layers. And I've realised that actually, you don't really need the heat on at home. unless, apart from those times when it gets really, really cold in the UK, We're having a fairly mild winter and actually by wearing, you know, slippers and an extra jumper, you can get away with it. Um, My husband, sadly, is not of the same view on the one day a week he works from home. So that's a nice toasty day in the house. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well I was very naughty on Friday because I needed to get loads and loads of stuff dry because we're going away for a couple of days and the kids I think had just emptied their entire wardrobes and decided everything needed washing so I did have the heating on for most of the day with clothes on radiators and I felt so guilty. (laughs)
0: but we'll be digging into the latest energy prices what to expect for the rest of the year and what to do if you're having some difficulty paying your bill at the moment
1: Yeah, there are lots of awful stories that have been in the news over the last couple of weeks about people being forced onto prepayment meters. And it is just one of the many pressures on people's budgets at the moment. We know money worries can really have an impact on people's mental health. And we know that kids in particular are really vulnerable if they see their parents struggling.
0: Yeah. And so on that topic, I've been having a really interesting chat with Jenny Somerville from the charity Stop, Breathe, Think. They offer counselling to under 21s across the UK um, who are experiencing mental health problems. But we're really dug into that connection between money, financial worries and mental health.
1: It is a brilliant charity. I I had the opportunity to see firsthand some of the work that they do, and Jenny is just brilliant, so stay tuned. Uh, Before we talk energy, we just wanted to flag that we're hosting our next in-person event on the 1st of March, and you are all invited. Laura and I are going to be joined by the incredible Baroness Helena Morrissey, who's a huge supporter of Money Matters, and also some amazing women who will be sharing their experiences in business, from work ethics ethic to knockbacks, confidence, and tackling imposter syndrome. We've all been there. Our panelists promise to be open and honest with their stories.
0: And most importantly, there are going to be drinks and there's going to be a goodie bag. So what more reason that you need to join in? So if you go to ajbell.co.uk forward slash money matters, then you can check out the agenda and sign up to the event there.
1: Don't worry, we'll give you another nudge at the end of the podcast if you miss that. Right now, though, it is time to talk energy bills. And I'm going to start with the good news, because I've just been taking a look at the graph for wholesale gas prices, and last August, there was an almighty spike, 400% jump in gas prices, and then, thankfully, That lovely graph has gone right back down the other way. So wholesale gas and electricity prices have fallen considerably. Now, the reason for that is that, as Laura was saying earlier, it's been a much milder winter than we did fear was going to be on the cards. And when you've got a mild winter, that decreases demand. There's also been increased storage capacity built in Europe. There's been a move away from dependence on Russian gas and oil. Of course, you know, uh, immediately off the back of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and sanctions that were imposed, there was a huge issue, big concerns about whether or not there was going to be enough fuel available for a cold European winter. But There's been a lot of fuels being imported from other parts of the world, a lot of changes to some of the energy which is being used. And, you know, people have seriously been thinking about their energy usage. They have been cutting down. Now, that is the good news. It does take a while to filter through those wholesale market commodity prices to our prices And there is still a whole load of volatility, lots of uncertainty around, particularly because of the reopening of China, the ditching of that zero COVID policy and the expectation that, you know, manufacturing is really going to pick up and consumer demand is really going to pick up. But there is a little bit of good news. So what does
0: that mean for our bills? Well, we have the energy price cap, which has been around for a long time, and that is brought in by Ofgem, which is the regulator of the energy industry. That's now set four times a year. Um, and the latest update to the cap was in January. That per average energy prices at just under £4,300 a year, but at the moment, we're protected by the energy price guarantee, which is the government scheme to cap energy prices for everybody. Those at the moment cap average energy prices at two and a half thousand pounds per household. Now, that's based on average usage. That's not what the, your bill will be capped at. Um, so some people will be paying much higher bills than that. And on top of that, at the moment, you should be getting an extra £400 from the government, which is coming in at either 66 or £67 a month from your energy provider. And everyone is entitled to that. So those kind of three measures are working to help keep our energy bills down. However, the slightly bad news is that some of that is coming to an end. So from April the 1st, that energy price guarantee from the government will be staying in place but at a higher level. So it means that the average household bill Will no longer be £2,500, it will rise to £3,000. So it's quite a big increase, particularly for those people that have higher usage and so are paying more money. On top of that, that £400 of help towards our energy bills that the government's providing, that's ending. And they've not said that that's going to come in place again next winter. All eyes will be on it, but I think it's probably unlikely that the same kind of universal support to every single household, regardless of income or wealth, um, Um, will be issued. So that is going away. And then the next thing we need to look for is the energy price cap. Now, there's some hope that that energy price cap might come in lower than the new energy price guarantee from the government. So lower than that £3,000 cap that the government has set. Um, If that's the case, then that would mean we would have lower bills um, that would kind of supersede that government cap. But I think the thing that we've learned over the past year is that everyone's issuing forecasts at different points in time. And it's not that helpful because lots of them then turn out to be quite wrong. So I wouldn't bank on necessarily prices falling in April or later this year, because as Danny said, there are so many things that are uncertain. Um, I would just say that Things are going to get more expensive in April, and then we'll have to wait and see what happens with prices further on this year.
1: So some good news, potentially more good news on horizon. But even if we're talking about bills coming down to 2,200, there have been some numbers floating about in news headlines uh, at that sort of level, remember Historically, that is still massive because last April the cap was just under £2,000 a year, which was a big jump in turn from the £1,300 or lower that we'd all got used to. And this means, of course, that some people are really struggling to pay their bills. First, if you are in that situation, this sounds really simple, but make sure you're putting in meter readings don't just rely on the estimated usage that the energy companies will put in because it won't take into account any cost-cutting measures that you have been taking. So you might end up paying more than you are using. Now, there are things that you can do. So you can request a flexible monthly direct debit, which means you only pay for what you use every month. That will need a smart meter or you must give regular meter readings, but then remember when it's colder and darker, like it is at the moment and you're using more energy than you would in the summer, it could mean that your bill is higher over the next few months. Now, if you look at the direct debit and it's correct, it's just stupidly high and you can't cover the cost, don't just leave it. You can ask for a payment plan. Now that's gonna be based on what you can afford do at least pay something every month. You might be able to join something called the Priority Services Register. It's a list of households that get support like pensioners, pregnant women, people with young kids or people who are disabled. And you should be given the chance of a payment plan before you're switched to a pre-payment meter. Now, you might have seen some stories in the media over the last few weeks when companies have gone into people's homes and forcibly fitted a pre-payment meter. Well, just before we recorded this, we heard that courts won't be granting any warrants to allow this practice to go ahead. But you may still be asked if you want to go on a prepayment meter by your supplier. So make sure that you have that dialogue with your supplier. Don't just ignore it.
0: And if you are still struggling, then I think it's important to make sure that you're claiming all the help that's out there at the moment. So that £400 of government support that I talked about, lots of people haven't claimed it. Um, Frustratingly, it's a harder process to claim it if you're on a prepayment meter. Um, or certain other types of tariffs so if you haven't got that money and you're on one of those tariffs then contact your provider to find out how you can claim it Um, but also there's lots of other help out there whether that's the government cost of living support whether that's local councils who've been allocated government funding to hand out to the most vulnerable in their community or if it's grants from energy providers themselves lots of them have support that they can dish out to people And then on top of that, you should make sure that you are claiming all of the benefits and other government support that you're entitled to, aside from just the specific energy support. So you can go to a website called Money Helper for that, or speak to systems advice, and they'll be able to look at all of your finances and see if there's any areas where you could get more support. Um, And then on energy specifically, it's definitely worth hunting out some of these guides on how to reduce your energy usage. There's Some few simple moves that you can make that could actually really cut down your bills. So, if you've not done that already, then definitely check those out. Uh,
1: We know it's hard. Um, You know, we're talking from a position where we do wince when we get the bills, but I know certainly at the moment I'm getting by. But I have had to have conversations with the kids because some of the things that in the past have been like, yeah, no problem, I've had to say no to. And we know that for some families, it is even more difficult, in fact, sometimes downright painful. And we know that people, when they're worried about their money, about paying their bills, it can have a huge impact on their mental health and the mental health of their kids.
0: So one charity trying to help that and offer support is stop, breathe, think. And I've been chatting to its head, Jenny Somerville. So clearly money and mental health have strong ties, but could you talk me through some of the links that you see between the two, please?
2: Yeah, I think that I think when you're thinking about money and people's mental health, you have to go right back to basics and the fact that, that we all have really basic human needs. And we have a need for shelter, we have a need for warmth, we have a need for food in our tummies. And, you know, those are the most basic needs to keep us alive. And they all cost money. Um, and so at the moment, obviously, the costs of all of those things are rising. Um, and it's there where people people start to struggle. If you have no money, if you lose your job, if your job is not very well paid, if you um, if you're struggling for whatever other reason and you can't afford those basic needs, you can't afford to heat your house, you can't afford to eat, um, it's going to
0: affect your mental health. And what impact do you think the cu- current cost of living crisis is going to have on the nation's mental health then? Because that's obviously, mm. as you played out, putting a real squeeze on lots of people's finances. Absolutely. Um,
2: I'm already seeing um, clients come to me suffering with anxiety and um, You know, we start off with worrying about things. So worrying about whether we're going to be able to heat the house, worrying about where we're going to get the next meal from. And I think lots of us are in that boat, even people who have okay salaries and and wouldn't be seen to be on the breadline. Starting off with worry and stress. And, you know, worry and stress can turn into proper anxiety, um, where the worry just is too much and it's overwhelming and it's in your head all the time. So I'm seeing people as well who are not sleeping well um, because of the worry and the stress and the anxiety, and people starting to think in different ways. So they're thinking of the worst case scenarios, and just always waiting for something to go wrong um, instead of what can I do today to, to solve this problem? I can't pay. I can't pay my gas bill. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to. I'm going to be homeless. I don't know what's going to happen. And we're seeing lots of that kind of thinking. Um, which is anxiety on a, on a more clinical scale. Um, I think that we're also seeing mental health between couples struggle um, as, as a part of this cost of living crisis, um, because money is, money is one of the things that most people argue about, but it's, it puts a lot of pressure on people running a household. And you know that can make one person feel more anxious than the other. It can make one person be struggling with anger issues or resentment. Um, it, this is so far-reaching, it's, it's going to affect everybody. Um, and and I, I don't think any of us are going to escape without, without our mental health being being um, a- affected in some way. Um, but anxiety, I think, is the main thing. When you feel anxiety for a long period of time, the ultimate result of that is that you crash and you feel low and you can sink into a depression and what pays into that, plays into that idea is the feelings that we have of absolute helplessness and powerlessness. When we feel like things are happening that are beyond our control, um, you know, that there are things happening, we can't change. We can't suddenly make there be a thousand more pounds in the bank account. We can't make our gas bill be less than it is. And other people are controlling that. And those feelings of helplessness and powerlessness are really, really tricky ones for people to deal with. Um, and, and quite often can lead then into this just absolute overwhelm
0: um, and, and low mood and depression. And so obviously just the general you know, shortage of money, not being able to balance the books each month is what's going to lead to these money worries. But are there specific kind of financial issues that you see that are most common for triggering um, mental health issues?
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, you've got big issues like gambling. Um, and that's a, a really big one at the moment um, for men in particular, um, it's being made very accessible on the television at the moment that gambling is a, a, you know, a socially acceptable thing to do. But gambling becomes addictive very quickly. Um, so I work with a lot of, of men and women who have fallen into that trap and the ball has you know, gathered speed and gathered speed until it's become overwhelming and something they can't deal with anymore. Um, getting into debt for whatever reason, um, borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, getting loans out, um, you know, perish the thought because it's the worst possible thing to do. But people who take out payday loans or door, from doorstep lenders um, and get themselves in a, in a, a, a real pickle with that. Um, so, so, yeah, getting into debt, um, credit card debts as well failing to pay bills, having interest piled on top of the bills you can't pay. And then I think all of it, everything that I'm talking about, just ends up in this, this um, place where you are completely overwhelmed and, there, and you've gone in far too deep and there isn't anything you can do to get out of it. And that's where your mental health starts to struggle.
0: And so how do you help people resolve these issues? Is it a case that you can kind of tackle the mental health side of things without tackling the underlying money concern and worry? Because for some people, they'll have debt, but there's just no extra money to pay that off. Is yeah. it a case that you need to solve the financial issue before you can solve the result- resulting mental health issue or, or not? Can you disconnect the two?
2: You can disconnect the two. Um, I would always, if somebody came to me and was struggling with their mental health as a result of financial things that were going on, I would always signpost them to somewhere like Step change. and... Um, to take a positive step to try and get some advice and to get some help with dealing with it and that's the practical side and and I think that empowering people through talking therapy but empowering them to make that choice to 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 get out of the feeling of helplessness and to to actually realize they can walk their feet to somewhere that there's a step change group they can make a phone call they can send an email and every step they take like that is something that's empowering for them they're doing something for themselves and everything that they do for themselves is building their confidence back up that there is a way out of this Um, so often in therapy a lot of what we talk about is hope and how we can how we can find um positive steps to take to to keep people in a place of hope rather than in a place of despair but we can also look at at what's behind it all depending what the issue is if somebody's been overspending or or gambling or um you know taking out credit cards when they don't have the funds to pay them we can really look at what is it in you that that wants to do that what is it satisfying in you um getting new things how do you know are you are you getting new things to fix something that feels broken in you um, which is quite often the case. When people feel like there's a hole or they don't feel right, for, for lots of us, the answer is go and buy something new and shiny. And and that makes it all better. And I'm I'm no different to anyone else in that. Um, you know, on a down day, um, at the moment, it's not shops, but I'll go on Vinted and, and make, fix myself by finding a couple of things I like. And um, people just do that on a bigger scale. So it's always, there's always, a story behind it and it's always worth looking at what is it then what is this doing for you Um what have you been doing with your money and why have you been doing it what is it fixing in you and if we look at what the what the hole is in the person we can start to heal that um, and find other ways to deal with it that don't involve fixing it with with um, buying things or spending money or gambling um, so there are two sides of it and obviously in therapy we can't deal with the I can't give you money and I can't make your debt go away, but I can suggest somewhere that you can go and I can help you build up the confidence to think, yeah, you know, I can do something good for myself. I don't have to be helpless. I can go and speak to people who know a lot more than I do and I can go and get some advice and take one step
0: in a positive direction. It's so interesting though that actually it might be this circular thing where kind of mental health problems cause the overspending or the getting into debt which then in turn causes further mental health problems and so it's not necessarily just kind of a linear thing is it
2: no it's not but you absolutely get stuck in a circle and um, and quite often people will overspend and then they'll feel really rubbish about themselves because they know they didn't want to do it but they did it anyway and then they because they feel awful about themselves they'll, they'll do it again because that's the way they know to fix themselves and of course mm. it's not working as a method of fixing yourself and making yourself happy. It doesn't work. Um, but it's, it's what we can do in therapy is to break the cycle that people have got stuck in. And first of all, acknowledge that they're stuck in this cycle. Um, I, I quite often describe it as the flushing toilet of doom. It, it, it's an ever decreasing, <laughs> it's going down and it's going around. And there are points in that where we can decide to break the cycle and, we do that by finding out more about the person and what's going on and um, and what's you know what that hole is in them that's leading to them need to f- needing to fix themselves and be stuck at that point in the circle.
0: But you um, your charity deals with children and those up mm. to the age of 21. So is that an age group that have money worries as well? What kind of money or financial worries might they have?
2: Certainly the older age range of that, the 18 plus, um, have money worries, especially if they're at university. Um, It's almost impossible to live on what you're given, to pay your rent and, and to be at university. And if you don't have parents who can help out, it becomes very, very difficult. And that can cause that, along with academic pressure and the stress of being at university and wanting to succeed, that can cause huge anxiety and depression as well. Um, but I think all young people and children are affected if there are financial things going on at home. Um, we always think that the littler ones, as we work with children from eight, we think that you would think that they don't know that things are going on, but they do. And children children are sponges and they, they pick up on on the atmosphere or on com- bits of conversations, and they might not understand. But they might hear the word money, and they might see mummy and daddy arguing, or mummy and daddy looking sad, or mummy crying, or you know things like that that are quite traumatic for an eight, nine, ten-year-old. Um, and so, money worries can affect them in that way. And and also, it becomes really apparent to them if their family's struggling when they go to school, and they haven't got the, the newest trainers, and they haven't got the things that their friends have got. Um, and and uh, that can lead to bullying at school. And really really low self-esteem so really this you know it's a really thorny subject money and i think it affects um children as young as that definitely equally to to adults or the the younger adults that we work with
0: and so if there are people out there who have kind of money worries that they feel are affecting them mentally what can they do about it what can they do to improve their mental health and, and mitigate the impact of it
2: i would always say
0: um
2: First of all, acknowledge like that you're stuck in, in, in a, a spiral that some of it's not your fault and you can't get out of. Um, and then think about what one positive step can I take today? Um, there are places you can phone, there are organizations who deal with debt management, debt relief, who can give you advice. You can phone the Citizens Advice Bureau, you can phone Step Change. Um, so, what one step can you take or talk to a parent? If you haven't talked to your parents, talk to somebody you trust. What one baby step can you take today that is in a positive direction rather than sitting in the dark place that you're in? And sometimes people need help to do that.
0: Whether that's from kind of family and friends or professional help.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So so reach out, talk about it. Let it not be a dirty secret. We're all struggling with money at the moment and we've all ended up in debt at some point in our lives Um, and and it's okay to be worried about it. It doesn't make you mad. It doesn't make you insane. It makes you a normal human being having a normal human response to a really difficult situation. So I would say always reach out to somebody. Um, If you can reach out to somebody who actually um, works for an organisation that can help with it, that's that's brilliant. But talk to somebody, a therapist, a teacher, uh, your parents, and take one baby step in the right direction don't expect it to all go away overnight but do something really positive gift yourself with the gift of one positive step in the right
0: direction and see what happens and i guess that one kind of vague bright side of the cost of living crisis at the moment is that everyone is struggling to a certain degree or lots of people are struggling to a certain degree but also it's a much more common topic of conversation isn't it absolutely and so, that must help surely with with some people feeling more able to talk about their money worries or money concerns
2: absolutely yeah i think we're all talking about it at the moment um some of the money worries that people have come attached to shame to a lot of shame so depending what the money worry is you know if you've not if you've missed a missed mortgage payment if you've not been able to pay your rent if you can't keep running your car if you know if, if you're a 19 year old who's been self-sufficient and independent and worked very hard excuse me to to have a car to um you know have possessions and you can't make the payments on them there's a lot of shame that comes attached with that um if you've been overspending or you've been gambling and that has added to the situation at the moment people also carry a lot of guilt and shame about that so it can feel really hard to actually reach out and say that out loud to somebody but once you have you know the, the the hardest bit is turning up and saying saying something to somebody, opening your mouth for the first time, and things start
1: to get better once you've done that. Jenny Somerville there from Stop Breathe Think, and as I said, I, I did have a chance to go and have a look in person at some of the work that they're doing talk to some of the kids that they're helping out. It is an incredible charity. And, you know, the kids really just seem to have a weight lifted once they've had a chance to speak about some of their issues. Um, Jenny, brilliant. Um, and it, it was great to hear from her. We did not let her get away with not giving us a confession because i know that this part of the podcast is laura's favorite part of the podcast and here is what jenny had to say
0: so what's the biggest money mistake that you've ever made i've made
2: many over my 50 years on the planet um i there are two that come to mind um one of which is is hugely embarrassing and i kick myself for. The other one is I collect penalty charge notices. And um, (laughs) I seem to be an expert at getting them, not paying the Dart charge, not paying parking. um, And the mistake I always make is not paying it within that time period that they give you, where it doubles if you don't pay within the time. So I I have a collection of penalty charge notices, all of which doubled before I got to the, the point of paying them. And that could have been completely avoided. Um, my other big financial mistake I made was to get very happy one day, just happy because it was sunny and I'd been to London and I'd been to see a show, and the sun was shining, and it was such a beautiful day that I went into Zara. My husband and I went into Zara and accidentally spent two thousand pounds.
0: Oh wow! I know that's a big spend.
2: It was. It didn't. I didn't see. I didn't count things up. They just all seemed like really good value things as I put them in the basket. And um, we were just having a really good time and just thinking, oh, we'll treat ourselves. Um, Had no idea that it had accumulated to that amount. Um, And that was, yeah, that was all of my savings. So the lesson learned there is to um, set myself a budget if I'm gonna have a treat and go shopping and not just get all happy and excited because it's a nice day and go and blow 2000 pounds on stuff that you don't need.
0: And that really highlights that like, some of what you're talking about the flip side of it the emotional kind of spending but not always to a negative in a way mm. like you you were feeling good and happy that day and so you wanted to carry on that feeling
1: mm.
2: yeah but it led it led to an awful situation where I had no savings left and had to beat myself up for a long time about the fact that I've that I spent that amount of money in one shop um got some nice things but I I £2,000 is slightly extreme so I think that's the one that makes me laugh now but it's really not funny um so yeah that and my penalty charge notice collection that's my confessionals
0: good ones thank you for sharing it's okay you're welcome So some big confessions there. I mean, I think her first one about getting penalty charge notices, not paying them on time, getting parking charges, lots of people will fall foul of that. And it's just so frustrating. You have to pay it in that short time period. Otherwise, the cost goes right up. But as Jenny and I discussed, I think her second one really taps into that topic of kind of emotional spending and that not always being coming from a negative emotion is sometimes coming from when you're feeling really happy and excited. Um, And it's obviously something that so many of us are subject to.
1: Yeah, my kids are happy and excited because we're actually going to leave the country for the first time in, in years. It, it Well, it has been since COVID. And um, they have just fallen exactly foul of that and both had Christmas money and both have spent quite a lot of Christmas money on new clothes just to go to Barcelona. And some of the outfits that they bought, let's say, are inappropriate considering that the weather <laughs> is going to be rather like it is here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it's your role as mum to point out that it's inappropriate clothing and say the classic line of, You're not going out wearing that, are you? <laughs>
1: uh, I'm getting ready for it. I'm getting ready for a row. I might leave my husband to do that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, And just another reminder that we are hosting our biggest event yet and you are all invited. So join us in London on Wednesday, the 1st of March from 5.30 to mark International Women's Day and we're going to be celebrating lots of women in business and talking about the gender investment gap even further. So both myself and Danny will be joined by AJ Bell's chair, Helena Morrissey, and we'll be talking about women's experience in business work ethic not backs but also tackling imposter syndrome and getting really open and honest stories from our panelists
1: and we know we're celebrating international women's day a whole week early but we like to get in there first Uh, we're also going to throw in a few drinks and a goodie bag because let's be fair it wouldn't be a money matters party without it so to register and view the agenda visit our website ajbell.co.uk forward slash money matters. And talking of celebrations, spring is in the air. I've got some snowdrops in the garden. So that is my definition of spring. It does also mean though that it's almost wedding season. And we know that a number of you are thinking about weddings in one way or another, whether you're assumed to be bride, a wannabe bride, a relative of a bride-to-be, Uh, money is likely to be top of your agenda.
0: Next time, we'll be talking about savings, whether that's for the big day or for another purpose. But we'll also be chatting to the woman behind the blog, Thrifty Bride, who proved that you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of
1: pounds on a wedding just to make it a great day. As ever, do subscribe, tell everyone you know to do the same and get in touch in the usual ways. You'll find us on Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok at AJ Bell Money Matters.
0: Thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you next time. Before you go, please
2: remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not.